guys, welcome to Bridging the Realm. Today, my guest is Marilyn Mendoza. Marilyn is a psychologist in private practice in New Orleans, Louisiana for the past 34 years. She is also a clinical instructor at the Tulane Medical School in the Department of Psychiatry, and she currently writes a monthly blog on grief for Psychologist Day. Marilyn is the author of a book called We Do Not Die Alone, Jesus is Coming to Get Me in a White Pickup Truck. And has been, she's also been researching uh, the topic of after-death communication, deathbed visions, and shared death experiences. In her free time, Marilyn vol volunteers in the visiting uh, pet program and at an inpatient hospice facility. So Marilyn, thank you so much for being with me today. Um, I'm so glad pleasure. to this is quite um, quite the topic that you've uh, done, you know, in your practice, and I'm just really fascinated by uh, the whole idea of um, death after death communication, uh, deathbed visions. Um, it's really, I guess, it's a topic that not everyone is really quite open to because a lot of people have a very preconceived idea of what um, you know happens after death and uh, the whole idea of whether there is something after death or not. So. Mm -hmm. What led you to get into this topic? And, you know, you've been doing this for quite a while. So how did you get into this? Well, I, I had an interest in the area for a long time, but it was when my mother was dying that things really kind of coalesced for me. Um, she, uh, we had her here in the house for a while with hospice. And during that time, um, I guess there was one Sunday when we didn't have caretakers here or we didn't nobody was in the house but my mother and myself and so um i was straightening up her room and she called me to her bedside and uh, i said what do you need mom and she said i'm ready to go so i said okay it, if you that's what you want to do then you know I, I held her and kissed her and i said it's okay you can go and she got very quiet and then she got very angry within just a couple of minutes. And I said, what's going on? She said, they told me I can't go, that it's not my number. And I just cracked up laughing because I didn't know you had to have a number to, <laughs> to die. But she was very angry and obviously it wasn't her time. So um, there was one other time when, so she was receiving communication, you know, the, um, deathbed visions is what she was experiencing. And then she had another one where she was ready to go. And uh, my father's mother who had lived with us was blocking the door and she couldn't go through the door. So it also at the time, I wasn't sure what that meant, but I knew it wasn't necessarily good. But I understand that even on the deathbed, people can work through issues and grow and people don't normally think about that, that you can grow as you're dying uh, and what you take into the next life, if you believe that. Yeah. So um, I, after she died, I became very interested in exploring more about what those things were because they were amazing experiences. Um, and so I began doing research, uh, reading, and uh, I guess I also, um, was writing my book at that time too so I had done some of that but it was basically with my mother dying that I became more interested in it mm -hmm. um, after she died uh, and this is after death communications I guess we'll talk more about yeah. is that um, I started finding little white feathers everywhere mm -hmm. 
And in my office, which there was no way a little white feather could get into my office, <laughs> given the building I was in, and just kind of every place I went, I found these little white feathers. And I immediately believed that it was my mother communicating with me. Wow. She was around. <clears throat> and then after about a year, I didn't see them as frequently. Mm-hmm. And um, after I had written my book, I was going on a, um, a tour and I went to do a radio show in another state. We got there a little bit early, so we went to eat lunch, mm-hmm. walked out, um, and I was uh, going to uh, the restroom, which was outside of the building, and I was walking on the uh, pavement, and there wasn't one thing on the pavement except a little white feather mm-hmm. right in the middle of the pavement. I mean, I scooped that thing up because I was anxious. That was my first radio <laughs> yeah. interview. and uh, But I knew she was with me, and I held on to that feather, mm-hmm. and it meant a lot to me. It gave me a lot of peace. So <clears throat> that's really kind of how I got into all of this. Mm. And then it's just kind of expanded after that. <clears throat> oh, wow. That's really fascinating. That's, I mean, I think, I guess that's probably the most profound ways in which it can happen when it has a, an actual, um, it's related to your personal story, because that's, I guess, what drives you to really research this topic. In. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, back when I was interested in this and got started in it, it wasn't so okay to talk about it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just, yeah. it's gotten a whole lot better now, yeah. but it was, there were a few people that you could share it with. Yeah. Um, of course I did with my friends and family, but um, I became interested in, in my doing my readings about, you know, most of the experiences that people had were good experiences prior to dying, but some people didn't have such good experiences. They were very frightening. So I got interested in the topic of people saying, if you're good, you go to heaven, and if you're bad, you go to hell. <laughs> well, I thought I would try to explore that, yeah. you know, just to see what happened. And to me, the best way to look at that was to go to a prison. Mm-hmm. So there's a prison here in Louisiana called Angola, oh. which is one of the worst prisons <laughs> in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, people go there who are never coming out again some of whom they're murderers, rapists, uh, just the, the worst felons ever there. Yeah. But in that uh, situation, they have opened a hospice for the dying patients, which I thought was just fascinating in and of itself. Yeah. And the inmates there are the um, uh, caregivers for the ones who are dying. And it's just a fascinating program anyway, but I thought, what better place to look at deathbed visions, and if somebody's going to go to hell, perhaps <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> somebody who's murdered somebody. Yeah. So, um, and the volunteers there, the, uh, the caregivers are screened, they're trained, they're interviewed by staff, as well as other caregivers. So, um, it's people who really are very caring uh, in working with these men. Mm-hmm. And so, Uh, I interviewed them about deathbed visions that they had experienced uh, Mm -hmm. with their patients. And not one of them, maybe just one, had a distressing experience. The rest of them, their family came to get them from the other side to help escort them home. Um, uh, There was one gentleman who said that his uh, uh, family was coming to get him in a Cadillac. 
Uh, and of course, in my book, uh, there was an account from uh, a nurse that uh, a patient was dying and saw his mother coming to get him in a white pickup truck. Yeah. And she's <laughs> driving the truck. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest story I'd ever heard. Yeah. So um, <laughs> just the image of that. So that's mm -hmm. why I made that the subtitle of my book. But I just thought it was interesting that, you know, what people believe mm -hmm. about what happens when we die yeah. may not be exactly what happens. Yeah. So, um, and I, I've really worked with a lot of people and I've not had the experience of people talking about really scary, frightening deathbed visions. Most mm -hmm. of them are very comforting for mm -hmm. not only for the people who are dying, but for the family and the caregivers that are there too. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so fascinating. And it, yeah, it definitely makes you think, okay, this preconceived idea that, you know, bad people go to hell, good people go to heaven. It, it really puts things into perspective when you look at the actual research. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. with the, with the people who had uh, negative experiences, as we'll call them, um, was there any common, a common denominator? Maybe were they like, you know, specifically, particularly religious or they had a, I don't know, was there something common between them that made them? Um... It doesn't seem to be. The research that's been done on that um, tends to suggest, well, there was one researcher who seemed to feel that every uh, either near-death experience or um, deathbed vision would start off negative, but mm -hmm. then end positively. And this is more for near-death experience. Yeah. But, um, you know, people don't talk about the disturbing experiences much anymore. There was a time about maybe 20 years ago when they did. Mm -hmm. um, and the focus was, on you know, who had them, who didn't have them. Yeah. And uh, it was, you know, then finally people decided, well, you can't really answer that question because anybody could potentially have it. Yeah. So the focus shifted to the after effects mm. of the near-death experience ah, okay. um, and how it changed people's lives, even if they had a disturbing experience and yeah. came back to talk about it, mm. that it still had a powerful impact on their lives. So it's just a fascinating, fascinating field for me. It is, yes, yeah, certainly. And it's strange because um, there's not too much research <laughs> into that uh, specifically of after death communication as well and near, what why do you think that is is it is it mainly because you know people don't believe in it as much and um it's quite well a I, I think with after death communication the uh the bible really is uh, guggenheim and guggenheim's book hello from heaven yeah and that's a, a an older book but it's still like the classic in the field mm. and other people have written them and i've written some stuff in, in my book about that mm. and people talk about it more. Mm -hmm. um, I work with a lot of, uh, my specialty is grief, and people who've lost uh, loved ones, and particularly children. Mm. And these after-death communications are so important to them and um, help them just get through such a horrible time. Mm. Uh, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah. I see a big difference in those people who accept the form of communication as opposed to parents mm. who don't. It's much harder. Yeah. Do you, do you see like a general improvement in their lives for the people who do believe in them? Yeah. 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 It makes, you know, they still grieve terribly, but yeah. it makes the grief 
perhaps less intense, mm. um, although that's not really a good way to describe it. Uh, it makes it bearable. Bearable, uh, bear, yeah. Bearable. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can totally relate to that. Yeah, I had a, um, my mom passed away as well, so a few years ago. So um, before that, I didn't know anything, anything about the after-death communication. I wasn't open much to spirituality and stuff. Uh, and of course, when it did happen, I, I was kind of forced into it because I just sure. it was just unbearable. And, mm -hmm. and just like you said, after I began to realize how much more there is out there that we don't know about, and I started to get a lot of these signs, actually, that we're going to talk about a little bit more in your from some of your articles. But I started to get a lot of those signs as well. I got feathers. I got I could feel her presence. You know, mm -hmm. all of these things. And uh, and of course, I went to see uh, a medium who could actually communicate mm -hmm. with um, with spirits of the those who have passed away and that for me made such a huge difference i mean it made all the difference to me because it made mm -hmm. it so much bearable and so much yeah. easier for me to actually get on with my life absolutely knowing that they're still there in a, in a, a point yeah. of view yeah, yeah exactly yeah so, so and, let me, with the, yeah oh, sorry let me just say one thing yeah. with the after-death communications that i'm talking about they're not from um a medium or a psychic these are things that people are, are noticing themselves. So, oh, yeah. mm. um, I mean, it doesn't, a lot of people do that. They go to talk to someone, but um, for the most part, what I'm talking about is what mm. people become aware of, like the yeah. feathers or things like mm. that. So, so it's very much proof based on their own yes. um, experiences. Yes. Yeah. So that's, yes. yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and what's interesting in therapy is they'll, I bring it up because most people don't want to bring it up and yeah. talk about it because they're afraid. Yeah that somebody's going to think that they're crazy if they mm. say that or dismiss it and just, you know, so, but I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me a bit about that because I've noticed as well. And also in myself, I noticed, you know, I, I never wanted to really speak to anyone about it because I did think at one point I was crazy. You know, I was kind of like, Oh, I probably shouldn't mention how often does that, do you see that in people that they think? Oh, a lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's still such a stigma to these things. Um, and it's unfortunate. But again, when I'm talking with people who are friends or people that I work with, uh, patients, I mean, I don't hesitate now to share all these things. When I first got started, um, I just knew for sure they were coming for my license, you know, <laughs> uh, my, my uh, doctorate license, uh, because of the things that I was doing and investigating, but nothing bad happened. Yeah. And over the years, it's become more open and people are talking about it and it's not, just doesn't have the stigma that it used to have. Mm, yeah, which is so good. Yes, it, <laughs> is. Is. it is, it is, it yeah. is. Yeah. Talking more about death in mm. general. Yes, definitely. So when you first started doing it, um, well, first of all, did you have an, ex did you think, you know, you were maybe hallucinating or, or imagining things? Did you straight away know that this was coming from your mom? Yeah. Yep. Did. Yep, okay. So, so you were quite familiar with this sort of yeah. spiritual side of it. Okay. Yeah. We had already been involved in all the, that because I had an interest prior to her dying. So um, it just kind of consolidated things for yeah. me. Ah, uh, okay. Also oh, that definitely helped that you were quite open. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So when, and when you started to do your research for your book and, you know, you started appro approaching nurses and um, people, how did they react to you? Well, I, I had an audience that was uh, used to it also because these were nurses who worked in hospice um, or in oncology mm -hmm. so that they were around people who were dying so that these 
things weren't strange to them, mm. you know, because they saw it all the time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, my, my sample uh, was one that, you know, they, they, they knew what it was about. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they knew what it was about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they were anxious to take the, the, the questionnaire and, you know, anxious to find out what the results were mm. of it. Mm. Wow. So what are some of the most um, memorable stories that you, you really kind of stuck, stuck with you from doing all the research for the book? Oh my, well, I, the most memorable has to be the one where the gentleman saw his mother coming with Jesus in a pickup white pickup truck. truck. <laughs> That's <laughs> that, that definitely is. Um, oh my goodness, let me see. There were so many of them. Uh, I think one of them was uh, a woman who was uh, moving out of her home. It had been her family home. And then when she got married and mm. her parents had died, she lived there. And so she, um, her father had uh, died. And so as she was standing there in the house by herself, mm -hmm. she asked her father if he was there to give her a sign. Mm -hmm. And all the lights went off in that house wow. and no other lights went off on her block. Wow. So it's things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, there was another one where a woman's uh, husband had been a, a big football fan and had a lot of memorabilia on the shelves and he had died and so she was looking at the shelf and trying to decide whether she should take those things down mm -hmm. and all of a sudden one of the figures just fell over <laughs> and fell down and where it had never moved for like 25 years before that mm -hmm. so she got her message that Aww. she was not to take those down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so things like that or I, I also had um and this is a pretty a uh, definite sign. Uh, one of the men I was working with, his wife had died, um, was looking to get her chili recipe because he didn't really know how to cook. So he was looking <laughs> at chili recipe. He was looking all over and um, he opened up a cabinet and a book fell out, fell on his head. And it was the book that had the recipe <laughs> for the chili. Wow. In it. So that was hysterical. They hit him in the head. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so it's things like that, you know. Wow. Well, if that's not a sign, then I don't know what is. Yeah, <laughs> Out of all yeah. the books, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he he enjoyed that. <laughs> wow, that's really oh, that's so. It's so nice, I guess, just for you know people to just to know that their loved ones are still around them and they you know are with them in the important moments and just mm -hmm. to have that sort of um, comfort. I yeah, I've had experiences when patients have died and I've been in my office and I've felt their presence oh, wow. in the office and uh, shortly after they died. And that was just spectacular. Wow. Oh, it's almost like they're coming to say goodbye. Yeah. 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 So um, what about the, um, I'm interested to know how the nurses, you know, were reacting. I mean, it seems like they were already quite open to these things and, you know, having seen, yeah. witnessing these things that people mm -hmm. were experiencing. Um, do you think in a way they were, did that, did that make them see life in a different way? Did it change their mind about what reality is and after death? I don't know that it did. I, I think that there were a few nurses. One of the things I asked them was, do they consider this a spiritual experience or mm. something else? Mm. And the vast majority of them felt that these were spiritual experiences, mm. but some of them didn't which is hard to, to believe that some of these nurses who witness all this, but they didn't think it was a spiritual experience. I guess they thought that it was just uh, the dying brain. Yeah. Um, but uh, for the most part, yeah, the nurses mm. 
then you talk to uh, any, most any hospice nurse and they'll just nod their head. Oh yeah, I've seen that. I know this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, what were some of the, I know um, you described in your um, uh, book that there were about 57% of these, uh, of the people who sold diseased relatives, relatives, right. is that, mm -hmm. yeah. Relatives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Being, uh, you know, a mother or father, um, sister, brother, whatever, mm -hmm. that's the most frequent. Yeah. Uh, figure that appears to take people over to the other side, you know, yeah. um, you know deathbed visions, mm -hmm. and also in their death experiences, people meet their deceased relatives, mm -hmm. and it brings them a lot of um, peace and comfort and, and, and joy to see somebody who, you know, like you've been married to for 25 years or something, and here they come back to get you. Well, see your mother. The mother is the most frequent appearing figure yeah. in these, so that... Um, you know, mother's work is never done, so she has to come yeah. back from the dead yeah. <laughs> to take her children yeah. home. Oh, so, wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. What are some of the other experiences that people have had, that nurses have described of people having? Well, um, you mean angels? the deathbed visions? Yeah. Oh, just in general, there, there are, uh, what people experience are uh, deceased relatives, spiritual figures it can be angels it can be jesus it can be wh whomever yeah um mm -hmm. and they also talk about seeing beautiful scenery yeah uh things that they don't ever you would never see on earth uh, the, mm -hmm. the colors are so gorgeous uh thomas edison as he was dying said oh it's very beautiful over here wow. and uh steve jobs of course when he was dying said oh wow oh wow like wouldn't you love to know what he saw <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> um those are some of the things that that people do experience they also might hear music harp music wow. or angels singing or they'll hear angel wings sometimes it's not so much what um they hear but maybe what they see you'll find people looking up in the corners of rooms and this happens a lot mm. and that's usually where somebody is whether it's a relative or a, a spiritual figure. Mm. Um, and the theme is always that they've come to take them home. Mm. They're there to help them make that transition and to take them home. Mm. And so it, uh, people who've been agitated once they've had these experiences aren't agitated anymore. They're right. able to die peacefully. And the nurses will say mm. they'd much rather have somebody come from the other side to take them home than have a relative, a living relative in the room okay. because uh, it makes for a more peaceful passing. Mm. And the other thing I want to say, because I just had somebody I, uh, at hospice that uh, a family member that I shared this with is that, you know, they're, we're always waiting for when are they going to die? The doctor said it might be any time or it could be a couple of weeks. And they worry that if they leave the bedside, they're not going to be there when the person dies. Yeah. And <clears throat> what I've found is that people die in their own time is between them and God. Mm. Um, I had a woman that I was treating a while back that her um, mother had died and she wasn't able to be there with her. Mm. And she felt very guilty about that. So when her father was dying, she moved him into her house. Yeah. Uh, and somebody was with him 24 hours a day, and it was primarily her. Yeah. One day she <clears throat> was there alone with him and waiting uh, 
for a package that was supposed to come. And the doorbell rang and it came. She figured that was it. And she thought, well, I can just run. It's going to take me two minutes. I'll go out there and I'll get the package. I'll come back. And so you know how this story ends. Mm. Waited till she left the room and he died. Wow. And she came back. So that's such a profound thing. It's like, and sometimes people want to die alone. alone. You know, yeah. they don't want the family to see it or, or whatever it is. Mm. But, you know, feeling guilty about that um, is, is just... Uh, almost a wasted emotion because yeah. that, that's, you know, you can't, you can't predict that and you can't always be there. It's nice if you mm. could, but, but a lot of people suffer extreme guilt from that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I've, I've heard that um, quite a few people have uh, said that as well, that a lot of people prefer to die alone and they, mm -hmm. and so many, there's been so many um, stories that I've heard that, you know, the um, family of their love, the family will be around the person who's dying. <clears throat> and the minute they have to leave the room, it's like, boom, they're gone. <laughs> That's right. Like they just need that space. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the person I was talking to at hospice, it was uh, his father who was dying and he had to get back to another state and he couldn't stay any longer. And so after we talked, he said, well, I feel a lot better about it. So he was able to do what he had to do. Yeah. After he said what he had needed to say to his father. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the most important thing is that the, the mm -hmm. people who are still living do express whatever they want to express to the person. And then that's really yeah. it. Yeah, I always tell them, you know, hearing is the last to go. So you can say whatever you need to say. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Hearing is the last to go. Last yeah. to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, also when you mentioned about uh, people uh, staring at corners in the room, that mm -hmm. reminded me of this other story. I was speaking to a soul midwife, actually, and she, her mom, when her mom was dying, she said that um, she, she was looking in the corner of the room and saying, What's Archangel Michael doing in the corner of the room? You know, <laughs> and, and, and then she that's great. She wasn't very spiritual, so she didn't believe, you know, in things like that. And she was like, "Oh, that's that's nonsense. He does. They don't exist, you know." But she could still see him. <laughs> Funny. That's great. So, well, yeah, there's stories in in the book and also other places I've heard where Jesus is in the corner mm -hmm. of the room, uh, and there was one account where. The nurse had said, who are you looking at or what are you looking at? And the man said, Jesus is <laughs> uh, in the corner of the room. And so she said, Does, is he saying anything to you? And he said, no. Well, why don't you talk to him and ask him, you know, why, why he's here, whatever. And he told the nurse that Jesus said that he was going to help him cross over. And that was why he was there. Wow. So, you know, that impacted the nurse, too. Yeah, uh, the people when you work with the dying, these things are just so comforting, mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know you see people suffering and know that they're not going to be suffering because mm -hmm. if somebody's going to help them, yeah. yeah, yes, definitely. And um, how has your opinion changed from when you first started doing the research to now, in terms of you know, have you had any realizations about life and what life is about? Because I, I, I say to everyone, you know, I've been doing research into this kind of topic for a while now. And for me, the most profound thing was not how much it taught me about death, but how much it taught me about life and living and, you know, what's really important in life. So, you know, most people tend to kind of not want to talk about death because of course no one really wants oh, to talk about it. It's, yeah. it's just amazing how much it can teach you about living and, you know, what's mm -hmm. really important. So yeah, how, yeah. what's your opinion on that? Well, you know, I think it puts things in perspective. It also, uh, it does, it, these experiences tend to take away the fear of death. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's such a big thing because that's what everybody's afraid of. Yeah. Um, you know, now we have death cafes and uh, those started over in, yeah. in England, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, other things where people are talking more about it, but still everybody is very much afraid of dying. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that these, all, all these experiences could help people mm-hmm. not have that fear, yeah. you know. Um, because they're just amazing. And it's not that it's in somebody's mind that they made it up or whatever. There's so many examples of it that you can't dismiss it. Mm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the after death communication, um, sort of the the key categories and that it's uh, split into and what people tend to experience after a loved one has, has, has passed and um, how, they experience the communication with them. So in one of your articles that you've written in Psychology Today, you wrote about the, um, the after-death communication and the 12 main categories that were identified by uh, Guggenheim. Guggenheim. Yeah. Guggenheim. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so tell me a bit about those. So I'm just going to read them out quickly. <clears throat> so anyone who's listening, maybe they'll, they'll be able to see what they've experienced. So the first one is sensing a presence, um, then hearing a voice, feeling touch, smelling a fragrance, um, visual experiences such as um, appearances of their loved one, uh, uh, visions of the deceased, twilight experiences which are um, altered states when you see them in sleeping states or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, then uh, after death communication while asleep, out of body communication, physical phenomena, telephone calls and symbolic after death communications such as signs such as feathers and stuff like that. So tell me about, a bit about these and are these sort of the most common things that you've, in your research, you found people tend to experience? Yeah. Oh, I think the uh, most common uh, tend to be uh, seeing deceased uh, relatives mm-hmm. um, and uh, the um, finding of symbols, uh, whether it's a butterfly or a, fl- a flower or, you know, I think that those tend to be the most common. Also coins, people finding coins. Yeah. Um, I've worked with one woman whose son had died and she kept finding these pennies. And the pennies were not only were a sign, but the, the date on the penny mm-hmm. was relevant to dates in the child's life. Which was really (laughs) very interesting. Um, So, uh, yeah, I think uh, some of the, uh, and dreams are very common Mm -hmm. that people have uh, where a loved one will come to them and give them a message or my mom came and told uh, in a phone call in in a dream that she was okay. Have you, did you hear from your mom in a phone call Uh, or anything? No, no, I've never had a phone call. No, I had dreams and I had, um, I definitely felt her presence quite a lot. Um, and I had the sort of when I'm half asleep, you know, in that sleep yep. in between sleep state. And I felt like yep. I could very much see her and feel her, but I've never had a phone call. No. So that's oh. a, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Well, it is. And not only, you know, it was a phone call in a dream, but I've had patients who've experienced real phone calls where a woman's son had died and her phone would ring and his picture would come on the phone. Oh, wow. But his phone was, you know, was, <laughs> not yeah. there anymore. <laughs> no news. Um, and, and so she had other experiences like that where she had um, 
been with a friend and the friend had like a, a pink phone. This was like around Valentine's Day. And she mm -hmm. thought to herself, you know, I'd like to have a pink phone like that. But she never said anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. And she, um, one day there was a package that came, she opened it up and there was a pink phone. And so she didn't know who, who had sent it or whatever. And when she checked on it, it was from her son's account. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's yeah. quite something. Yeah, but particularly yeah. she said she hadn't told anybody, including the, the woman yeah. whose phone it was. Yeah. So, you know, there are all kinds of things yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that can happen. Um, yeah. So, but I think, you know, like I said, the dreams, and sometimes when we see figures uh, at night, they tend to come to at the end of the bed, at the foot mm. of the bed. Yeah. I'm not sure why that is, but yeah. that's, that's the case. They'll yeah. uh, stand at the foot of the bed. Mm. That is. And, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. And, and sensing a presence is a big one mm. also. Um, so I think that those are uh, having some of the out of body experiences where you go and you visit the person who's died in their new surroundings mm. is, is not very common. Mm. I've had, I think, just one person experience that. But, you know, that was very powerful, powerful yeah. experience. Oh, wow. I think there, um, those who have died are still available to us. Yeah. You know, mm. it, and it, I believe it, they watch over us and are, are there with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, um, so in your practice, because you, you're also mainly a grief counselor at the moment, um, is what would you say is for anyone who might be going through grief right now who's listening, um, what would you say is the main thing that they can take away from this and to remember when they're going through grief? Well, I, I think to, to pay attention to what's going on around them. I think a lot of people get upset because they haven't had these after-death mm -hmm. communications. And if you're not paying attention, mm. you know, you may be missing something. Yeah. I, I think also reading, uh, either getting my book or um, <laughs> uh, Guggenheim's book, Hello from Heaven. Mm. And there are other books out there too that are written about it, but mm. so that you can become more aware and you might even find that something's been happening that you didn't connect. Mm. I think uh, another thing that's come up is orbs, where these are little... Uh, orbs of light and and again um, I, I worked with somebody who would whose son had died I see a lot of parents whose mm -hmm. children have died and um, she just began seeing these white things in the pictures mm -hmm. and uh, then she started thinking mm, I wonder <laughs> I wonder if that's him mm -hmm. and she's showed me uh, videos that she's taken where she's just been in a dark room and called to him and then here you see the, the orb come flashing by and like this and it was wow it's amazing it's amazing, amazing. Yeah. Oh. and so that really mm. really helped her an awful lot wow that's really incredible yeah, yeah i mean just for yeah. one the the positive effect it will have on the on the person that's incredible yeah. in itself but also just being able to see it visually because I think yeah. most people like to see things visually. We're, we're very much, you know, proof based and we want to see things mm -hmm. for ourselves. Yeah. Wow. That's really amazing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's some just absolutely amazing things and people can't understand it 
or don't see it as something spiritual, so they just dismiss it. Yeah. Or think there's something wrong with you. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that tends to be the most common thing where people either think they're imagining things and then go crazy or or they just don't even notice it because we're so much in our heads. Yeah. We're not allowing to yeah. open up to anything that's actually happening. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. Um, so um, where do you see this going with your research and now with people becoming more open to this um where what's your vision about the future you know people believing in in a kind of life after death and um believing that our loved ones continue to exist how do you see this um do you see this improving and getting more you know well known Mm -hmm. yeah i I think it is because there are many more people in the field now Mm. who are giving talks, podcasts, um, uh, having uh, conferences, the whole gamut. And it's it's much more accepted now. I I mean, I've just, like I said, I've seen a big change in the time that I've been working with it. Um, And so I see it only increasing. There's uh, something newer that's out. It's called The Shared Death Experience. Mm. Uh, Dr. Raymond Moody, who wrote the book Life After Life, uh, Mm. Introducing Near Death Experience, has written a book called Glimpses of Eternity. And a shared death experience is basically somebody having a near-death experience, taking somebody else along with them. So what that means is you can be by the bedside, you can be a caregiver of somebody who's dying, and they start to die, and the uh, caregiver gets caught up in the initial stages of that. So that they may also have an out-of-body experience, travel through a tunnel, see a light, and be part of a uh, life review. But then they, either they come back, um, or and both of them come back, or or, I'm sorry, either the caregiver comes back, Mm, or they both come back, or the caregiver comes back, and the other person dies. But he's experienced that with the dying Mm. there's also um, a remote shared death experience i was just talking with someone uh, just last week and she said that her um, grandfather was dying and uh, she they were some distance apart but she knew he was dying that she was sound asleep and she had a dream that he came and kissed her Mm. on the forehead and she woke up in the morning and found out he had died during the night so that's a remote shared death experience. Mm-hmm. He came to, to see her. So yeah, more and more things like that um, are coming out. And uh, I'm, I'm gathering from what I've been involved with that the shared death experience is being treated now like the near-death experience was when it was first acknowledged mm-hmm. and came out. Uh, There's a lot of skepticism about mm-hmm. it. Um, and the thing that's so interesting about the shared death experience is that the person who's experiencing with the dying is not ill or mm. dying themselves. Yeah. Mm. So that pretty much shoots the brain chemistry yeah. <laughs> idea about yeah. why this is happening. Yeah. So obviously a lot more research needs to be done, but that's mm. something that's developing now that will wow. grow, I'm sure. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, because I guess you still have that one person mm-hmm. to come back and to report what they saw. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> so even more yeah. of a proof. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. But people are having a hard time accepting that. 
Yeah. Well, just like the near-death experience when it came out. When it I came. mean, I remember the first time that uh, I saw something on television about it and talked about an out-of-body experience and they were showing what that would look like. Mm. And I remember turning to my husband saying, is that possible? <laughs> and, so, and then ever since then, I've been involved in, in learning more about it. Mm. But uh, again, I think the shared death experience, people are um, having the same reluctance to accept that as mm. they did the other. So I think at some point they will. Yeah, definitely with it. time. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and, uh, and I wanted to ask, what, why do you think our Western society is just so, finds it so difficult to generally accept the idea of that the spirit, um, or that we do even have a spirit and that, you know, our consciousness continues to exist outside of the brain and that there is an afterlife and that we can communicate because, because, um, for example, the Buddhist tradition, they very much believe in the afterlife and, you know, they guide, mm -hmm. they do all of these rituals to guide the dying into the afterlife yes. to help them, you know, find their way. Why do you think the Western society is so uh, opposed to this and <laughs> we just tend to kind of dismiss these things? Well, I think it has to do with uh, the emphasis on science, that if you can't prove it, if you can't see it, touch it, prove it, mm. it doesn't exist. And I think the other thing is people are afraid. They're afraid of these experiences. Yeah. What does that mean? You know, is there something wrong with me? Or, you know, it's hard to, it's really hard for them to accept. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, definitely. Which um, I've thought about that a lot and, and I've kind of come to the conclusion that it's, it's quite ridiculous that we um, tend to believe something that is outside of ourselves so for example scientific proof of something rather than our own personal experiences that's right I find that really it's ridiculous when you think about it it's like yeah. wow I so I'd rather believe a scientist someone in a white coat or you know doing yeah. this sort of research than my own vision of my mom or whoever passed yeah. away yeah, yeah that's yeah yeah Wow. <laughs> and and uh, there's something else. Uh, when you talk about white coat, it reminded me of, um, I was talking to a group of uh, psychiatry residents and uh, they were talking about how uh, a lot of the regular physicians and surgeons, if somebody is experiencing one of these, after, uh, I mean, uh, deathbed visions or whatever, mm. or talking or terminal lucidity, they'll just medicate them rather than talk about what's happening and, and share in that. But the quickest wow. thing for them to do is medicate them. So, but these, these residents won't do that. <laughs> now right. we talked about that because wow. that's such an important thing for the person who's dying Yeah, you know, to be able to talk about what's happening to them instead of being shut off somewhere or medicated. Yeah, definitely. Oh God. Oh, that just hurts. Just thinking about I know. it. I know it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, let's numb you even more. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, no, um, but yeah, it's definitely improving. I, I think, and obviously you, you, you've noticed as well that more people are becoming open to it, which is really amazing to see. And, um, again, uh, for me personally, one of the, um, just most negative things that I found is is how much of an impact it's having on people who are dying and you know and just this idea that there is no afterlife that you just cease to exist you know you just disappear like that i mean that is probably the worst that anyone can think of you know that your life is just going to end and that's it so yeah it definitely helps to have yeah. a 
But again, you know, so many things are changing. Death cafes uh, are Mm -hmm. around and they're well attended. We did one that we didn't think we'd get more than, you know, maybe three people and and we had a full room. Wow. Uh, So people want to talk about it, but they want to be safe in talking about it because there are other people who just would, you know, make fun of them or... Mm -hmm. (laughs) call them weird or, or whatever yeah oh wow that's that's so important yeah so would yeah. you recommend for anyone who is sort of um, going through grief to first you know connect with someone who is kind of part of a group like this or um who knows about this stuff yeah oh absolutely um i don't know what you have over there over here we have uh something called compassionate friends do you mm-hmm. have that there it's for uh parents who've lost children there's also um helping families heal or helping parents heal Mm -hmm. and that's a group that is much more uh into uh having uh uh, psychics and mediums involved in in helping the the people who are mourning Mm -hmm. and uh, i think that can be very helpful but not everybody's ready for that yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) you have to take it slowly yeah Um, but there's so many uh you know, books out there that people could read, but I think it's basically finding somebody that you feel safe talking to. Yeah, yeah, it's important. Wow, that's really yeah, that's definitely really important. And um, yeah, I think um, altogether, just the work that you you've been doing is so important. And I think it definitely, um, you know, more people more people should get to know about this sort of um, research and work altogether because it's so helpful, so helpful for everyone, whether you have a relative who's died or you don't, or you're just dealing with any sort of grief. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah. And we can experience grief about anything. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, but this is perhaps the most intense grief was when you lose a loved one. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. But yeah, also, yeah. Um, I remember when my cat died, actually, I have a really interesting story about that. So um, my cat, um, I was really, you know, a typical pet lover. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I'm a pet lover too, so I yeah. understand. <laughs> I love, I love cats. I mean, I love dogs as well, but cats were just my favorite. Um, but yeah, so I had my cat and uh, every morning it used to, uh, it used to come into my room and um, sort of walk onto my bed and um, climb onto the windowsill and it would just look out into the garden, you know, it would mm-hmm. just stay there for like an hour or so. So when, when he died, uh, exactly the day after he died, I remember I was in this in-between state of, you know, sleeping and kind of yeah. conscious. And I very specifically remember feeling his paws on my bed and then mm-hmm. climb onto the seal of the window and just, you know, I could just feel his presence. But I very specifically remember being able to feel the pressure of his paws <laughs> on the bed. And I, I was just like, wow, this is so amazing. Cause I could yes. physically yeah. feel it, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember absolutely. thinking to myself, this is real, this is real, this is real. You know, this is, I can feel it <laughs> so that I don't forget and like just dismiss yeah. it after that. And, and those states, falling asleep or as we begin to wake up, we're more receptive. Mm. Our, our brain hasn't really kicked in yet so that we're more receptive to, mm. to these types of things. Yeah, that's definitely. Great. That's a great story. I, I find that too. So I guess if anyone wants to contact their loved one, that's probably the best day <laughs> to do it at the best time. Yeah. Oh, wow. Marilyn, thank you so much for your time. I really, really cannot thank you enough. It's been so wonderful to speak oh. to you. I so enjoyed it. I, I'm sorry our time's up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Already it's gone so quickly. Um, but um, I wanted to ask, do you offer online sessions for people? No, I don't. 
you only okay so you only yeah. do them in louisiana yeah. okay how can people find your work if they wanted to know about more about you and your articles that you write they can well they do several things one they can go to psychology today mm -hmm. and my blog is understanding grief mm -hmm. Um, and I've got over 40 something articles on there about yeah. different things. Um, and you can go to my website, which is uh, marilynmendoza.com. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll put those links in the uh, description on the videos as well. So people can just check those out. But yes, it. um, it's thanks. been a pleasure working yeah. with you. I really Thank enjoyed you. it. Thank you. Me Time too. went fast. Me too. Yeah, very fast. I know it's crazy how one hour can just uh, swap by. But um, are there any last words you want to uh, say, to share, or oh, do you well, feel keep like an open mind? Yeah, keep an That's open mind. Yeah. <laughs> keep an open mind. Absolutely. There's more to life than what you see. Mm, totally. I completely agree. Well, great. Thank you so much. And uh, have a great day. Thank you. You too.